Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Howdy, church. Give me a little howdy. Howdy. How you doing? Good to see you. If you're joining with us online, we're really glad that you are joining us. I got a question for us. What would, if you're, if the money you manage, the money you manage could talk, what would it say? If the money you manage could talk, what would it say? And the church said, dang it, he's talking about money today. Right? <laughs> uh, growing up or, or actually recently, you know, there have been times in the last 10 years, especially when Sarah and I first got married, there were times when if the money that we managed was talking It'd be like, <laughs> I run this place, I do whatever I want, whenever I want, go wherever I want. <laughs> That's what my money said. Anybody else? Uh, if, the, if the money you manage could talk, what would it say? See, in this story we're going to look at today in Disruptive Jesus, the, this man, the money he was managing started talking and it cost him his job because he wasn't really managing the money, he was squandering it. And so the lesson for us in this is not to check out first, not to check out because of the fact that I'm talking about money, because I know, I know, maybe many of you may think the way I thought back in the day, and I thought, you know, them preachers, them churches, all they want is your money. That's all they want. That's all they want. See, that's not what this is about. What this is about is for us to be able to thrive in our financial life, because God has given us a way to manage our money in a way that would honor him and give him glory and would make it to where our lives could be a blessing to others. Okay, so let's dive in. Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Luke 16, verse 1. This is what it says. Now he, as in Jesus, said to the disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So the money started talking. Verse 2, so he called the manager in and asked, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. So the assumption here is that the accusation was accurate, that he was in fact squandering this man's money. Now this rich man, this is the idea here, the rich man, he had a lot of money because he had a guy for his, for that. You know, he had a guy for that. Let me talk to my money guy. And so what we're going to find out is that he was in the business of lending money to people. And this manager was given the uh, privilege and the opportunity to manage this man's uh, estate, to manage his money. And he was also given the authority to negotiate those deals on his behalf. And so this manager had a lot of uh, weight on his plate, and he had a lot of privilege in his life, right? He was able to manage this rich man's Money And he was in charge of making sure that his money wasn't being squandered, but it was growing or, or at least staying about what it needs to be to be able to keep up with what the rich man wanted to do. So he told him, hey, um, you're fired, uh, but before your last day, I need you to go around to all the people who have accounts with me and give me an accounting of what that actually is. So he needed to go around and make sure that he had all the books in order, because that's 
what he was accusing of, is not having those things in order. So before he gets done with his job, he needed to have that in order. So goes on, verse, thir- verse 3, Then the manager said to himself, What will I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, right? He, he's now asking the question that all of us would ask if we've lost a job, and some of us have asked that question, is what do I do? What, what do I do now? If, if I'm not doing this, what do I do? So he starts wondering. I'm not strong enough to dig. Didn't go to the gym enough. I'm ashamed to beg. We've got too much pride for that. And so he's starting to evaluate. Like, can I do this? Uh, can I do that? Eh, what should I do? And then verse 4. I know. This is kind of the way the Greek reads. I know. Like he's got a eureka moment. Light bulb goes off above his head. I know what I'll do. So that when I'm removed from management... People will welcome me into their homes. So he was concerned about not having a place to stay, not having a place to live. And if you were that desperate, right, you would try and make sure that you, if you don't have money, you at least have some friends who can have you over and let you stay at their house, right? That would be probably a good thing. So he has this idea. So verse 5, this is what he does. So he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. So again, this dude's the manager. He's supposed to know what the guys owe them, right? And he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know how much you owe. And so, you know, if you're if you're the, the debtor, you're like, four bucks. Four bucks. <laughs> that's how much I owe. No, that's not what he says. A uh, hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Which, by the way, uh, scholars try to translate that into a way that we would understand. hundred measures of olive oil for them would have been like 800 gallons of olive oil. That's a lot of olive trees. And so, all right, take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly and write 50. So cut it in half. It's a good deal, right? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And he goes on, goes to the next one. Next he asked another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write 80. So his mindset, right, is like, let me go to these people and let me cut them a deal. Because let's just imagine, you know, you got some debt, credit card, mortgage, whatever you got. Uh, and if you don't have any, just imagine you did. And the person in charge of your account at the bank or at your lending institution calls you up and says, Hey, how much do you owe? And you're like, well, four bucks, man. I owe four bucks. <laughs> uh, and they're like, well, let's hold on. I, I figured it out. Figure out how much you actually got to owe. Uh, let's cut it in half. How would you feel? That'd be a pretty good deal, right? And be like, oh, feeling pretty good. And, you know, the money that you just saved, when this guy comes begging for a place to stay, your money that you saved would be like, hey, this guy's a good guy. Let's just have him stay at our house. He's been good to us. Let's have him stay over. We don't care how long. He's good. Let's just have him go. That was the idea. That was his philosophy. Let me make sure that the wealth that I have managing, that I'm managing for this guy, let me make sure that these riches are able to buy me, in a way, some relationships, right? And so isn't it interesting, though, like, in the moment of his desperation, this man all of a sudden got creative. The, the lesson here is, uh, in our workplace and in our work situations and what we do with our lives, uh, let us not uh, get to the point of desperation before we actually give ourselves over to what we're supposed to do, to actually give some effort, Right? Because I'm sure, like, if his mom was talking to him, he'd be like, son, if you would have just given the same amount of energy you're giving right now to make sure that you don't have, uh, that you're not going homeless, you would still have a job right now, right? But he didn't. He didn't. And so he's trying to pick up the pieces and figure it out. So 
as, as we look at this, there's probably two options as to what's actually happening here with the way that he's able to give them 50% off or 20% off. And, and this is two options. We don't actually know, but here's some uh, educated guesses. At least I think educated. Um, the first option is the, the, the man, the manager, he had some commissions on these deals. And he's going to these people and he's saying, hey, I'm going to take my commissions out. He didn't say this to them, but that would be basically what would be happening. It's like, I'm going to take my commissions out and that's what you owe that's left. So I'm going to get rid of my part of this deal so that uh, you you feel good about our relationship. Because the money I would make from this deal is not enough to sustain me long term. So I'm just going to take that out and then it's going to hopefully make sure that I have a place to stay. Or, so that's one option, or... Uh, in Jewish world, when you make a loan, you weren't supposed to charge interest. Okay, so it wasn't like a supposed to be a money making opportunity. You're not, that's not how it's supposed to be. So th- the likelihood, maybe, is that these deals had some interest included in them, and so the manager is thinking to himself, you know what? If I take out the interest, then my the rich master that, that I've got, if he's upset at me, he's convicting himself of wrongdoing. Why? Because he's arguing with me that he was actually charging interest when he wasn't supposed to be. So that's another option, that maybe he had these interest rates, and, and a lot of times uh, they did, and they would basically rationalize it. Well, I'm not taking advantage of these poor people. I'm just taking advantage of these regular folk who kind of have at least the basics covered. And so either way, we don't know, but either way, this is what the boss's response was when he found out what happened. Verse 8. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. So there's a lot there. The master praised the unrighteous manager. Why? Because he acted shrewdly. He was smart. He was crafty. He was, he was coming up with some creative solutions. Why? So that he could have some relationships. Because at the end of the day, what's most important? Some money or some relationships? Relationships. It's, most, it's more valuable. And so he acted shrewdly. He, he was crafty. He was creative. He actually looked at a problem and he was able to come up with a solution that worked out for everyone. And then Jesus makes an accusation to them. And to us, when he says the children of light, uh, the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light and dealing with their own people. In other words, what he's saying is that oftentimes the people who follow Jesus, we've, we've, we know the creator, we know the provider, we know him intimately. And yet, we don't go about life with some street smarts. Instead, we go on autopilot and we just exist and we hope that things work out. And in this moment, we hope things work out in our financial situation. Because we don't spend any time on it, we don't do any of that, we don't look at our finances and, and, and approach them with purpose. That's, that's the accusation he's making. And, and for Sarah and I, uh, in our, early on in our marriage, that was us. We lacked shrewdness. Uh, when we first started following Jesus, we, you know, we were going to church and that was back in the day, y'all, we had like rows and everyone like sat together. Although you would socially distance from people just because you didn't like people. You remember those days? Some of you were like, amen, social distancing, let's keep this thing going. Amen. And extroverts are like, please don't, I'm dying inside. Um, and so 
we would sit in these rows, right, and, and they would have these little plates or these baskets or buckets or whatever that we'd pass down the row. You remember these days? Remember those days? Wow, that was amazing. Wow. Uh, and we were the people, you, you would know this if you just looked down the row. We were the people who were like, oh, we saw the, the plates coming. Oh, one dollar. I'm running out of time. Ten bucks. Okay, here we go. We put that in. Why? Because we were like, ah, oh, we didn't want to be left out of the offering thing. That was like some some peer pressure to make sure that we participate. Why? Because we didn't get in, want to get in trouble, right? We wanted to make sure that well, we're giving, we're giving something. Was it on purpose? No, it's just whatever we had. You know, there's probably some lint rolls in there. You know, some some like what is this? It's a, like a toothpick? You know, like well, it's worth something, right? It's like a quarter of a penny or something like that. And so we're making our offering. That's how we were. We weren't shrewd. We weren't smart. When we first started working full time, y'all, we, we got an apartment in Canterbury in Fort North side of Fort Wayne. And uh, we basically operated, you know, we had enough money to do some fun things. And, and we love eating out. Like, that's one of the things we love to do. And so a week would come, we'd get paid, and then by the time the end of the week would be, we'd check our online account and be like, where did it all go? We just got paid. Where's it all go? It's just leaving. Why? Because our finances were running the, running the joint. We're like, ha, 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 ha. We can go wherever we want. That's how our finances were. We didn't tell it where to go. It just went. And we wondered where it went. And that's kind of how we operated. So we didn't have any shrewdness to be able to be generous. We didn't have any shrewdness to even be intentional with our financial situation. We just, we just kind of like, I don't know, whatever we want to get, we just try and get. And then we wonder where it went. And that's oftentimes, it's very easy for us to drift in that because in our finance, finances, that's where we drift. We're like, I don't know, I'll check my account. If I got money in there, I'll spend it, Right? We didn't plan it ahead of time. That's that's where we came from. And, you know, when we first got married, we didn't have any debt uh, or mo- mostly none. And then we uh, since God calling us to, to ministry and then we moved to Cincinnati. And that's where I got a bunch of student loan debt. Amen. It was wonderful. You know, I wasn't shrewd at all. I could have worked more and and tried to pay for it myself instead of getting all these debt, student loan debts. And we ended up with like sixty thousand dollars in debt. On a, on a single income household. And we got kids coming in, you know, they keep popping out, like I figured out how that happened, you know. Uh, like my wife, so we've got four of them, you know. And, uh, but we were efficient, three pregnancies, you know, so it worked out. Um, but we, we then were like, whoa, we've got to actually get serious about this, cause like, God actually expects us to be the managers of his riches. Just like what Jesus is saying. Hey, there's a rich man. And he had a manager. And he was called to manage his wealth in a way that would bring glory and be beneficial to the rich man. But we were squandering it just like the manager. And we had to get to a point where we understood that, wow, like this whole thing about generosity, it's important. And this whole thing about actually stewarding our money, managing our money, because why? It's not ours, it's his. We had to get to that point. And, and I know that, you know, some of you are like kind of uncomfortable with this conversation. I get it. A lot of my preacher friends, they don't like talking about this. But you know what? Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. Because he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So this is an important thing. And that's what, this is why when, when I came here, 
we started doing something where we talked about the offering and not just had it happened. We, we wanted to talk about it. Why? Because I know that there are people in our body who are like me in the beginning where I had no idea the purpose of generosity, no idea what it meant biblically, no idea how to handle our money. And so I wanted us to have a space for us to talk about that. Why? Because it's a discipleship issue. It's a very important topic. You know, oftentimes the church doesn't talk about money and the church doesn't talk about sex. And those are two important topics, right? Why? Because when we fall, when we have, when life goes kaput, why? It's usually on money and sex. So we should talk about these things. And I want to give you some practical tools as we continue. But we finally got to the point where we understood, okay, the tithing thing, it was, it was hard to, to start, 10%. What? That's more than 20 bucks a week. That's more. And that's hard. But we decided to do that from the beginning. And we were able to pay off all that debt. And guess what, y'all? If we'd stopped tithing, we would have been able to, from the numbers standpoint, would have been able to pay off that debt quicker from a numbers standpoint. But you know what? We decided not to stop. And God still was faithful in the midst of that. And maybe we would have gotten through the debt quicker, but I believe it would have taken longer. Why? Because we would have been saying no to God and saying yes to ourselves. So that's one of the rubs that we have when we are dealing with our finances. We have to decide whether or not God is in charge or whether we are in charge, whether our money is going to serve him or whether our money is going to serve us. And last time I checked, I'm a terrible God. Last time I checked, you're a terrible God. And so here's three money lessons that he gives us for the rest of this passage. Three money lessons. The first lesson is to simply be generous. Luke 16, verse 9 says this, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. In other words, use your worldly wealth to bless other people. Why? Because they may end up uh, seeing that God is good and generous. Why? Because of your generosity. They may even see that, that God loves them. Why? Because you decided to be generous to them. And so you use your worldly wealth, the stuff that really at the end of the day doesn't mean much, but it, it means a lot in our heart. Use that to bring glory to God and to bless others. So the first thing is to be generous. Use money to bless others and bring glory to God. The second thing is to be intentional and faithful. Look at this, verse 10. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, which he's saying is not much, uh, who will trust you with what is genuine, which is much more valuable? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? So again, the, the, the thing here is that everything that we've got is God's, and we are the ones who are managing it. So be intentional and faithful. Don't go on autopilot with your finances. And, and I know that there are some uh, households, and, and you know if you're married, if you're watching, if you're in here, uh, there are some... Uh, spouses, marriages that one person, because they're the nerd uh, and they like numbers and spreadsheets, they handle all the financial situation. They handle all the bills and all that. And some of you have separate bank accounts because for some reason no one taught you that when you, when two flesh come into one and they are married now, everything is each other's. You are now one flesh and that means your finances should be together. And I will battle you till, till the sun goes down and beyond on that point. 
And so if, but some of us, we got the same bank account, but then only one of them, only one handles all the money. And, and here's, here's the problem with that. Even though one of you are likely more bent toward finances and more like, oh, this is exciting spreadsheets and budgeting and all this stuff. Um, you're, you're causing one person to carry all the weight. And that's very unkind. And so even if one person balances the checkbook, checkbook, which by the way, that's a good thing to do. Don't just trust the online banking to, to make sure that they do their math right. But actually balance your checkbook. You should also make sure that you guys are having conversations about your money together. To where it's a joined, shared weight to carry. Because if you don't, then that's where bitterness can come. And that's where one person can be living aloof and not know all the stresses that the other one's carrying. And so be intentional, be faithful in your finances. And the last, uh, the third money lesson is to tell it where to go. Because money needs to be bossed around. Verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, uh, money's not going to automatically serve God. Money's going to decide to serve you or to make you serve it. Uh, and so we have to decide, are, are we going to serve our money or are we going to serve God? If we're going to serve God, then we have to make sure our money serves that end, serves God. And that means we have to tell it where to go. We have to make sure our money is trained on what is appropriate and what is not. Otherwise, your money will always go bye-bye, bye-bye. And you'll be like, hold up. I thought I set a curfew. It ain't coming back. You know? And so that's what we have to do. So I, I, I think about it like this. Um, early on in our marriage, uh, we got a, a, a dog named Darla. Now, I don't have a picture of Darla, and I know y'all would have loved to see a picture of Darla. She's a little, she was a runt of the litter. She's a little shih tzu. Okay, a little tiny thing. little tiny thing. And uh, she's very uh, bold and uh, stubborn, and uh, she, she is uh, a little, little ball of energy sometimes. And we had to, you know, when we first got her, she got her as a puppy. We had to go and tell her where to go. Why? Because she had a tendency to go, you know what I'm saying, into that bladder, that kind of stuff, in the house, in the apartment. And I don't know, that wasn't going to work, right? Amen. So we had to tell her where to go. So we spent a lot of time uh, taking her down the steps and outside uh, in our apartment complex to make sure she knew where to go when she had to do the stuff, Right? And every time she'd do some stuff in the house, we'd have to take her down and show her where to go. We spent more time training our dog on where to go when she's got to go than we did telling our money where to go. And we have to train our money where to go. Otherwise, it'll go all over the house and go all over the town and it won't, it won't matter. And it'll stink. And one day you'll wake up and be like, what's going on? Well, your money been going all over the place, right? And so we have to take some time. So I want to give some practical tips and tricks, biblical ideas on how we can be more intentional and faithful with our money, okay? You guys still still tracking with me? You're not checked out? Not been too uncomfortable? Okay, I'm fine. Okay, I'm fine. All right, not that you care, but that's fine. Uh, all right, first thing, first thing, decide first that all your money is God's money, all of it. Everything, you are simply the manager. Psalm 24, verse 1 says this. 
The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. That means not only is my money God's, but I am his. Everything about me is his. I don't get credit for it. My family is his, not mine. Uh, My house is his, not mine. My car, his, not mine. Uh, Whatever I've got, everything I have, everything that I am, everything in this world, whether it's my finances or yours or whatever, is his. It's not mine. So we are simply managers of what he's given. The second thing is to live on a budget. I know this is crazy ideas. Live on a budget. Every dollar, every penny, tell it where to go. Live on less than you make. My pastor friend Marvin Williams said this. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. And budgeting, no matter if you are working part-time and just getting started, or whether you are working full-time and you've got a career, no matter what, you should budget. Why? Because you are deciding ahead of time how to be intentional and faithful with your money. You're telling every little penny, hey, I'm the boss, and you're going here because we're going to serve God first and foremost. And we're going to do this. And hey, if you want to go to Target, Target, then budget the money. Right? If you want to go and give some generous gift to somebody, guess what you can do if you budget your money? You can do it. Why? Because you decided ahead of time where your money's going to go. And you don't have to wonder where it went. Number three, plan your generosity first. Plan it first. Not, not last. Plan it first. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. When you give, decide what it's going to be and do it with some joy, y'all. We don't have to be all somber. Talking about money. Be, Be excited about the fact that we get to give generously out of what God has given to us. Not out of compulsion, but out of a cheerful heart. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Your, you will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. So not only does generosity uh, produce righteousness, but it also produces thanksgiving to God. So there's something in us that happens when we choose to be generous. And I know that for mo- most of our church, for our church as a whole, it's very generous. Like we practice generosity really, really well. But I know that there's so many others who have not made that decision and can go to that place. And so it does something good. We benefit when we practice generosity. Fourth thing, save for a rainy day. Save for a rainy day. Proverbs 21.20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a fool consumes them. It's good. If I mean, if 2020 has taught you anything, it would be a good idea to have some money in the bank. Right? Why? Because there's going to be some stuff that happens. Some unexpected stuff, whether that be a car breaking down, a house having some issues, or just simply a pandemic, and you may lose your job. You have to have some money saved aside for a rainy day. Because guess what, y'all? It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Helps to have an umbrella, right? Save for a rainy day. I mean, this is simple stuff, but it's powerful if we do it. Because guess what? 
The government ain't going to save you. They've been going around and around another stimulus bill, right? You got anything done? Nope. What would help? If you have a rainy day fund. You have your own stimulus bill. Save money aside. Number five, pay off all your debt. Romans 13, 7 through 8. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect. And honor to those you owe honor. Do not owe anything... Uh, anyone anything except to love one another for the love or for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law don't owe anyone anything but pay all your obligations and so we should be seeking to pay off our our debt another passage uh, says in proverbs the borrower is slave to the lender that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender jesus set us free and so we don't have to be enshackled to that so we can pay off our debt and then be free to help those in need Right? When you have some money set aside where you can give freely to those who are in need, that's what the church is supposed to be. That's what the first century church did. What did they do, y'all? They, they looked at all their possessions as a together, as a whole together. They didn't say, this is mine and that's yours. This is like, this is ours and we're going to benefit the people in our community, in our family. Why? Because we're family. We want to take care of each other. And when you have a need, we're going we're gonna to cover it. And that's the beauty of what it means to be a part of a church when we are all practicing God's way of handling finances in a way that honors Him. And the sixth thing is this. And this is really the biggest thing. See your money as a way to serve God and bless others. See your money as a way to serve God and bless others. It's really not about us. It's about serving God and blessing others to be able to serve him. So the question is, if your money could talk, what would it say? If your money could talk. If we all did this really fun thing, and for those of you at home, we did this too for you. We brought up your money on, on the stage. It was personified and it came up and like, hey guys, how you doing? You know, cause money's a little arrogant, you know, it's got a little, little swagger to it. Uh, and, and it was like, hey, here, I'm the money of such and such and this is what I have to say about them, about me. What would it say? If your money could talk, what would it say? For those of you at home, your money's coming up, you're like, oh man, I can't turn off the stream cause my money's still gonna be there talking. I wonder what it would say. If your money could talk, what would it say? If your money could talk, what would it say? Because here's the thing. It's a difficult path to no longer serving money and to serve God. This is the thing. God ain't mad at you for having some money. Okay? Everybody got that? God ain't mad if you got some money. He just wants you to manage it in a way that gives him glory. That's it. That's it. And that's a big different picture. And the the preacher joke is, uh, oftentimes, and this is why it's so hard for us to serve God instead of serving our money and using our money to serve him, is a lot of times what we end up doing is when we go into the waters of baptism, we hold our checkbook, our our pocketbook, our debit card uh, to make it more, uh, you know, contemporary. And we hold it up out of the water so that that doesn't get baptized. That's supposed to be funny, y'all, but maybe it's so true that it ain't very funny, Right? Um, that's what our story was. It took us a while after we come out of those waters before we started to understand that the stuff that's in my wallet is actually his. It ain't mine. The stuff in my bank account is really his and not mine. And just let me give you a little bit of a picture on what we're up against here in America with Christians and giving. On average, Christians give two and a half percent of their income to churches. And get this, two and a half percent, God calls us to a tithe and, you know, beyond. But God loves a cheerful giver. So decide what you're going to give and give that. But currently today, 
Christians give of their income, two and a half. But this is a crazy thing. During the Great Depression, uh, Christians gave 3.3%. During the Great Depression. Yeah, wow, that's for real. It's crazy. Uh, some other stuff is that uh, of families that make 75000 plus as a household, um, only 1% donated a tenth of their income. So it's almost like you get more money and that money becomes more attractive. It's like, oh, that's got, go- got it going on and I like to have it around. So what did Jesus say to the rich young ruler yesterday or like last week, right? He said, hey, give it all away. Why? Because your money has you. So the, 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 the rub, right? Young people, as we get older and we start to get into our career, uh, and maybe you got a good career where you're making some good money, uh, to make sure that you decide ahead of time before you even have that kind of an income that you are going to decide that your money is going to serve God and you're not going to serve your money, right? Or your money's going to serve you. Only 3 to 5% of Americans who give to their local church do so through regular tithing. And the average donation by adults who attend U.S. Protestant churches is about 17 bucks a week, which is basically the equivalent of what I was talking about Sarah and I doing, like scrambling in her purse, you know, in, in a woman's purse, to try and find something in a, in a quick pinch. That's hard stuff, right? You got like all kinds of things. You got a, a library of books in there. You got, you got, you know, notes from four years ago. You got a bunch of tissues and stuff. I don't know what y'all be doing in your purse, but y'all got a bunch of stuff in there. It ain't organized or anything. You just, it's like on the scene from the mask, Jim Carrey's like pulling stuff out of the bags, like a big hammer and stuff. It's all kind of crazy stuff, right? It's 17 bucks a week, right? Those of you who understand Jim Carrey, you get that. Those of you who didn't, it's a good movie. You should watch it. So at the end of the day, it starts with a decision to be intentional and faithful in our finances. It just, it just starts with a decision. I can just decide today. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to start doing some. I maybe I got to learn some new skills. I got to learn how to do a zero-based budget. And zero-based budget is basically a budget that comes down to zero. Why? Because you told every little penny where to go. This one's going to go down to the market. This one's going to go down. You know what I'm saying? Everything's going to go where it needs to go. And by the way, I would. I'm happy to help you in budgeting, like. I know, oh, the preacher wants to talk about my money. No, like seriously, okay? It was a revolutionary thing for Sarah and I to learn how to handle money, to learn how to budget. And if you need some help, like first of all, you can Google zero-based budget if you don't want to talk to me. That's fine. Talk to somebody. You're like, oh, wow, you have a good financial world. Like maybe I should take some advice from them. By the way, uh, there are some people you don't need to take money advice from. Go to Scripture and decide what that says. And decide to model your finances in that way. And if you need some help, then call me up. I'm glad to help. I'll show you how we do ours and uh, show you how you can do yours. But here's the thing. Jesus has freed us from serving anything else, anyone else. Because when he came down, God gave of himself. Why? So that we could have eternal life. So that we would no longer be in shackles to anything. And for a lot of us, the thing that we oftentimes are shackled to... Is our money. It's the thing that we get most upset about. It's the leading cause of divorce. It's the thing that, that people get so emotional about. And it's the reason why some of you are really upset and you want me to stop talking so you can go get some lunch. Right? Like, I'm tired of this conversation. It's, money is really close to our heart. And as we looked at last week, it's like a drug to our brain. And we have to decide. Are we going to live in shackled to that 
and maybe have some cool stuff and maybe on the surface look like we've got it going on? Or are we going to break free from that and walk in the freedom that Jesus set for us? Because he has broken every chain that has ever been able to hold us and he wants us to walk in freedom. And he wants us to use our resources just like the rich man wanted the manager to manage his resources. Why? For good, right? For good for the rich man. And we have our awesome God who has given us every blessing that we've ever gotten. He's the giver of all the good things. And he's called us to manage what he's given to us for his glory and people's good. And so we can just decide today to become intentional and faithful. And that way we don't squander what our God has given to us. If your money could talk, what would it say? My prayer is that for all of us, whether it's today or down the line in the future, when our money talked, it would tell a story of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, of God's glory, of the fact that he's first place on the podium of your life. That's the hope that I have for my own finances. And really, guys, at the same time, at the end of the day, this is not about money. It's not. It's about who's in charge. Who's in charge? Are we going to trust him when things don't seem like they add up? Or are we going to trust ourselves? And that's what I've had to learn. And I'm sure that's the lesson God wants to teach all of us. Church, will you stand? We're going to pray and we're going to sing out to our awesome God. And then you can take a deep breath as you leave that this conversation's over. (laughs) Father, we come to you thanking you for your glory, for your goodness, for your uh, providence in providing for us everything that we need. God, we know that there are so many people in this world who don't have what we have and yet walk in the freedom that we don't walk in. Why? Because you've released them from captivity of those things. God, I pray that no matter if we make a lot of money or make a little bit, whatever you've given to us, God, I pray that we would be faithful in handling that. So that when it comes time for us to, to have some better responsibilities, responsibilities that are closer to your kingdom, closer to your heart, that you would see us as faithful servants of yours who can take those things on. God, I pray that for every one of us in here, that you would work on our hearts and that, God, I'm so grateful for those in our church body, church family, who are, who are generous, who have practiced generosity, who have learned these lessons and, quite frankly, are really happy when we talk about it. God, I'm grateful for them. And I'm also grateful, God, for what you're doing in the rest of us. I'm grateful, God, that you are always at work and you want to show us what it looks like to walk in freedom and to have everything that we have serve you. Father, would you open our hearts to receive that? Would you soften our hearts if it's bumping up against it and not going in? God, would you please make a way for us to walk in a way that would be be such that brings you glory? and blesses other people. God, may we see the amazing goodness that your big C church could do in this world to solve all the world problems like that if we decided to do what you called us to. God, your church is beautiful and it's 
beautiful when it's messy and it's even more beautiful when we decide to follow you. God, would you use us? Would you speak to us? Would you change us, Lord? Holy Spirit, have your way in us. And may the words we are about to sing to you bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.